Hello and welcome to Glass Tires Art Dirt. Uh, this is a bi-monthly podcast that we have on Glass Tire on Sundays where we discuss topical art topics. Uh, today it's me and Christopher Blay, uh, one of our editors, our news editor, and um, we're going to talk about some recent content that's been up on the site. Yes, uh, a lot of new content. A lot of new content. I wanted to jump into talking to you about this top five that you recorded for us this week that was so great. Um, you had guests. Yeah, it's top five art versus police brutality. And I had Danielle Demetria East. I had Robert L. Hodge, uh, Vicky Meek, and David Jeremiah, Dallas artist. And it also featured work from uh, Letitia Huckabee, mm-hmm. who was scheduled to be with us, but, but couldn't make it on that day. I was going to ask you, so the conversation, it's about 20, 25 minutes long on the site. I know it was longer um, when you had it. Um, and for me, what was great about this top five and so different about this top five is it really was, it really did turn into a true conversation. And as you guys went through your picks and you were picking artworks, number one, there were artworks by the artists themselves about this topic. Um, although you didn't include your own, which I thought was interesting. And we should I mean, talk about that in a yeah, second. We can talk about that. But as we talked about their work and as we talked about other artists work that covers the subject of police brutality, the conversation kept unfolding and there were layers to it. Yes, I invited these artists because rather than just sort of do an op-ed about my feelings about police brutality and about how art responds to it, I thought it would be important to have artists from different parts of Texas just have a conversation. And the conversation starter would be works that they considered important that spoke to police brutality and to highlight their own work because artists like Vicki Meek and David Jeremiah uh, are constantly, uh, and their work constantly revolves around the subject. And uh, to some extent, Danielle Demetria and Robert Hodge also talk about that. And Letitia Huckabee, her work is uh, mostly around history and culture uh, in African-American life. But the piece that she submitted uh, spoke directly to this preciousness of the black body and how important it is for us to speak to the things that are happening. And I have made work around this subject. You have. I've seen some very good work by you around this subject. Yeah. And it started maybe about um, in 2014 when I was at the Central Track Residency. It seemed like uh, 2014, 2015, those summers were just full of killings. And it just really bore heavily on me. Um, As I talked with the guests about, it's... uh, is something that I wish I could make the crazy sci-fi stuff that I really enjoy, which speaks to this sort of need to escape the reality that we find ourselves in. But these things are just so, um, they're just so everywhere, endemic, and I, it, it's inescapable. But I didn't want to include my own work because I, I like maintaining an editorial distance to some degree when I, when I 
put on my hat as and you do editor. you do and we didn't necessarily we didn't really i don't remember having a real discussion with you about this even when you came on uh which was toward the end of last summer in the middle of the end of last summer and then we had you moved to houston and in fact we're recording this right now in your home in houston um but we you know one of the things we loved about bringing you on also is that you're a real deal artist you know and it's good to have an artist on staff it's great to have an artist on staff but you've made your own kind of editorial decision about how you want to keep your art and your work uh with glass tire somewhat separate but i remember your piece in the texas biennial mm-hmm. um yeah that was from a body of work called because uh, niggas can't breathe and it was fueled by from the same place that uh, the other work that I've made uh, around the fictitious character, Kara Walker, Texas Ranger. Um, it addresses police brutality in a more sort of like sci-fi mythological way. Um, but this work was, uh, I showed a video that combined some slides from the 70s about the police as community helper with Richard Pryor's uh, 1973 uh, Niggers versus Cops bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's the audio playing over yeah, the, that's this the kind of playing. like public service community slides. It's such a good piece. I watched it more than once. And uh, did you get to, do you went to see the biennial, didn't you? I did. I yeah. was there that day. Yeah. yeah okay, cool. Um, one of the things I was thinking about, though, in terms of the conversation you were having with the guests on Top 5 is that the further we got into that discussion and to listening to that discussion, and this was really striking to me, is like the last five to ten minutes, it almost felt like one of you like got up and closed the door because you were going to start having basically truly a discussion amongst yourselves. Yeah, It started to feel like we were listening in on a really true and serious and honest discussion about how you feel about what's happening and, and frustration about what's happening. Yeah. Uh, that was a intentional break. It was sort of right after we listed the works, um, the artists listed the works that they found connected to the topic. And then I, yeah, it was, that was a sort of segue and inviting the artists to talk about their feelings about things that are going on and it's yeah it runs the gamut of um just frustration exasperation and um just the inability to to work because it's so psychologically uh traumatic it we're like we're zombies we care we we stand we listen we're present, but um, to say that we are objectively unaffected by what's going on in the news um, wouldn't be true. I, I think that every artist on that discussion deals with with things in much the same way that um, most artists do. It's like you just sort of try to focus on the work and try to focus on your contribution, your voice, um, your context, your priorities, and that's what they were doing. But yeah, that that could easily become a deeper conversation. But I think the exasperation extends to being tired of talking about things because um, 
you know, I did that piece after Childish Gambino's This Is America came out. Yeah. And my premise was basically, if we're going to just keep doing this and this shit's going to keep happening, uh, we should just do something else because it's not working. And I think that's the place where, I mean, I don't want to speak for the artist, but I feel like my sense is that it has to be more than making art and it has to be more than voting and it has to be more than just you know posting shit about how frustrated and uh messed up things are and that's why i see people in the streets and mm -hmm. the robert hodge mentioned and vicky meek also just the recognizing a shift in in mood and action and a little bit of uh hope that's what I was going to ask you because that that the conversation did turn a little bit for a minute toward the idea that this feels different this time. It's hard to be optimistic about change because the history of how slowly things change and how the short ex uh, attention span that we have to things like this uh, it exists through a new cycle and then it just sort of goes back to the way it's always been. So for me, I, <laughs> I'm cautiously optimistic and I'm hopeful, but I am not. Um, yeah. Even uh, Vicky Meek said something in the conversation uh, about how white supremacy isn't going away. It's not, you know, it's had 400 years and it can't, change in one year mm -hmm. so it's it's definitely the long game and another thing that came up was feeling that a generation uh, had sort of uh, dropped the ball in thinking that things were improving enough mm -hmm. um, but yeah I think the general consensus is that um, oh so they were as that was striking so that they were not instilling in the next generation that there was still a long fight ahead yeah or that yeah they had done the the heavy lifting and you know things are we joked about the post-racial America after uh, Obama's election and nobody's talking about that now no. as Vicky would say it was interesting how multi-generational that conversation was. Vicky was referring to turning 70, and then I don't know how old Danielle is. Um, yeah, I, I that was intentional. Or David, actually. I don't know how old are the youngest artists in the I conversation were. I think it's uh, Danielle may be the youngest, and then David, and then... Um, I think uh, me and Robert are about the same age and then Vicky. So it was kind of amazing, actually, because you're seeing the scope of, you know, generational, you know, pa not passing a baton. Actually, that was the thing is you're, you're not because it's still just the same subject again and again. And the and the and Vicky having a tremendous amount of um, energy. But I mean, but for her through her worldview we're talking decades of seeing the same stuff again and again. Yeah, and she expressed as much talking about how this was her grandparents' fight and then her parents' fight, and uh, now it's she's still fighting and it's still going on. Mm -hmm. So I think we're all hopeful, but we're hyper-aware of the world as it stands right now, and the kind of shift that is required for the the change that needs to happen 
has to be like everyone has to be you know everyone has to buy in mm -hmm. and who's to say and the politics of this country right now are so insane and divided and um and we have such a divisive administration that it's i mean to me i i stopped trying to predict the future a long time ago but <laughs> especially with the last election but uh yeah, I mean, I know it's uh, it's a it's feels like these kind of pointed and interesting movements happening within a kind of a cloud of chaos is what it feels like to me. It is, and the, the thing is that when everything that's happening, uh, including the coronavirus uh, pandemic, just sort of like this stuff doesn't stop. You know, racism doesn't stop for the pandemic. If anything, it exposes uh, the inequalities, and uh, so it's it's just sort of this compounded effect. It's like elections come and go, policies rarely change, justice and equality is just still lacking. It's a slow climb, and even during protesting and calls for change and solidarity. People are still being killed and mm -hmm. um, like in the streets this week. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, if the world, if the globe is aware and alert and this stuff is still going on, where is the change and where is the hope and where is the optimism? What is art's role in this? And as artists, as you were all speaking, and then and then today we uh, we published a piece, a drive-by that you put together um, of artworks that address the the subject that you tackled in the top five. Like, what what where is art in this picture? I can speak to artists. Uh, the art world is a whole other animal, mm -hmm. and I think artists aren't waiting for cues from museums and galleries to create a response to what's happening in the world. I think it's either something that affects you and it sort of invades your work or something that is always a part of who you are and you can't make anything else. Um, the art world just sort of reacts and maybe uh, retrospectively creates a narrative about how they are concerned about the things that are happening. But I think the role of the artist stays the remains constant, and it's to just make work that's honest and um, true to what you feel and what you do. And that integrity shows over time. Mm -hmm. uh, and these works that I created for the, the Baker's Dozen Drive-By, mm -hmm. not created, but uh, highlighted, uh, our works from about 1963 to, um, I think the most recent work in that um, series was Lauren Wood's uh, American Monument, mm -hmm. which was last year. Mm -hmm. But it runs the gamut everywhere from illustrators like Art Spiegelman did New York Magazine cover in 1999 mm -hmm. about uh, the Amadou Diallo killing in the Bronx the opening image is a poster from uh, Civil Rights Marches in 1963. Yeah, so, and everything in between. Um, 
some of the same responses uh, Chris Burden's uh, LAPD uniform from the around the same period as the Rodney King beating mm-hmm. uh, Nick Cave's response to the Rodney King beating mm-hmm. that started his uh, sound suit pieces uh, so yeah these works just sort of um, Artists are always there. Uh, maybe a year later, a couple of years later, when we've had time to process things, or maybe right in the heat of the moment. Um, the piece, the Jacob Lawrence piece that um, Vicky Meek highlighted mm-hmm. in our top five conversation was from the Bloody Sunday attack on protesters on the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was like mid '60s. So I, and she even like reference works from the '20s about lynching. Mm-hmm. So the history is there, and then of course we can go to not police brutality, but artists responding to war and politics. You know, you have Gornica from Picasso, and it's just yeah, there are there are a lot of responses in real time and artists have always done that um the role of the museum and the art world i think galleries dealers um art organizations is really i think to just support that voice give it a space to be uh in the spaces that they create in the hope that it's um it's like an even if it's just a small movement on the needle it shows a connection to a larger voice that's raised around these issues and i think it's important that art is a part of the community that um, these institutions and organizations find themselves in do you think and you've had a lot of experience with the various institutions especially in dfw since you were there until recently but what is your take on how institutions, nonprofits, and also commercial spaces have been? How how good do you think they've been in the last, say, three to five years about shifting what they do and who, and who they show and why they show it? And, and how much more work is there to do, I suppose? That's a two-pronged question. Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't speak to the why they do it, but I know that some institutions are better than others and are inching towards the kind of representation that needs to be. I mean, art galleries and museums, museums in particular, have had a couple hundred years Mm -hmm. to figure this shit out. Mm -hmm. And um, the only story that they have historically been interested in telling are either the stories of their conquests and acquisitions and a demonstration of wealth and power. And I think if they're serious about being relevant, they need to dig deeper, step aside, and let the people in the communities that they find themselves in tell their stories, um, using that space as a platform. And I think some museums have uh, proactively over the past four or five years done a lot more exhibitions that address issues um, that are important to people outside of their sort of regular patronage, I should say. Mm. And um, and some institutions have completely ignored it. I can say with confidence that 
there are Texas institutions that are really um, committing to doing it. And it may be, they may fall far short right now, but I think they're on the right track. Do you think that the institutions now sort of, you know, really almost, you know, whatever pivot they're going to take, I mean, do you believe that there's a possibility of fatigue for black artists just being asked now by everyone to show their work? Is that even a, is that a danger? Is that not a danger? Is that an imagined thing? What am I, what am I asking you? You know what I'm saying? I don't think you're going to get a complaint from a black artist about being asked to show their work. Okay. I think I think it's important for those efforts to be consistent and sustained. Mm -hmm. And you wrote it, about Black History Month. And, yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, you can't just say, okay, here comes February. Um, let's, what black artists do we know that we can uh, ask to work with us? Which is how it has looked for years. That, yeah. That's how it has been for years. Absolutely. Like, um, just a cursory survey of exhibitions over the past five years uh, will be strongly lacking in anything. Uh, I mean, there are institutions like uh, that are historically about European art and only that because that they're like permanent collection institutions. So that's what they're going to show. But mm -hmm. I think that that's not even an excuse. Like, if you're in a city, art and culture is not European art and European culture. Mm -hmm. Art and culture is art and the culture of the community that you live in. Mm -hmm. If you want to continue to ignore that, um, <laughs> you're not going to get any love from anybody and you'll deserve it. I think, um, but back to the question about whether it could get to a point of fatigue and critical mass for artists, uh, black artists being asked to. Um, well, to some degree, to being asked to explain things to people right. again and again and again. Yeah. No, I don't think it's the job of artists to like explain while, why the world is racist <laughs> and why, you know, I think it's just, it's important for museums and galleries to be held to a higher standard for representation because they're not on a golden hill catering only to one part of culture. And I think it's important that they, they start reflecting the way the world looks. Um, mm. I'm not saying like cancel every show and only show black artists, but you've had 200 years or more of showing only white artists. So if that becomes the solution, yeah, it's, it's time that that starts to change because it's relevant. The culture that most young curators and museum workers consume is culture that's steeped in black culture, which is to say American culture, mm -hmm. whether it's jazz or hip hop or dance or uh, movies, mm -hmm. it's there. So you can't on the one hand find that palatable and then return to an institution and only show one kind of art, one kind of work.
And then that op-ed that you wrote about Black History Month and institutions appro- approaching black artists, you were saying, you know, take a look at the institution's track record. If this is all they're doing, this is tokenism, and turn them down. Yeah, that's, uh, that is my uh, recommendation <laughs> because it's, yeah, where are you the other 11 months of the year? What's your record on that? Show me. Um, what shows do you have? Is it? Yeah, Black History Month or Martin Luther King Day or it's like, yeah, don't I can't tell people what to do, but I sure as hell can say what you're doing is shit. Mm -hmm. So and that's sort of the importance of criticism in art in general. It's like I would never and I hope no one ever tells an artist what to make. Mm -hmm. But if what they make is not a reflection of it's not if it's not sincere and yeah it's then it's it's not i can't mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's, uh, it seems to me like in this moment too or what what we're watching and what i'm reading and i'm you know we're still kind of in quarantine lockdown or we should be given the numbers uh this week but you know i'm at home reading and it seems like a lot of institutions and their traditions are coming into question. But one of the things that's interesting to me, a few weeks ago, when the protests were really kicking in, you we published an, uh, an interview between you and Lauren Woods about mm-hmm. about the about some graffiti that went up on some art in Dallas, and and I I've had a few conversations with people too. It seems to me like the whole idea of protecting monu- monuments and statues from coming down right now is you know, it seems to me like cities and mayors and municipalities and states are really finally starting to go, well, we don't really need to have these up in the public sphere, do we? And um, and it feels to me like public opinion is shifting. I don't know if that's actually true, if that's just what people are saying, but these things are actually coming down. And for me, that's a historical moment, and it's more important than any one statue or any one monument. And as an art editor, for me to be like, yeah, get rid of it. Let's like, let's get it out of here. You know, I don't want to have to defend that, but it just seems like history is being made right now. Yeah. Tell um, us about that conversation that you guys had, because that was great. Yeah. So that piece by Tony Tassett that was uh, tagged, although it it felt more like an intervention than uh, than graffiti per se. Yeah. Um, yeah. We just talked about how that it's it's protected. It's in this space that uh, presents as public, but it's in a fenced yard. But it's this intrusive, giant, blue-eyed thing that's staring at us, and it's not seeing anything. And so I think one of the things that that we talked about was how that writing the phrase, now you see us, GF, George Floyd, Mm -hmm. on it, was just um, not ignoring how this sort of surveillance mechanism that's like pointing out is both looking at us and not seeing us. You know, it's like scrutinizing a monument, an object that's like this sort of state giant uh, big brother thing. Yeah. But it's it's oblivious <laughs> to the concerns and the actual issues. Symbolically, it couldn't have been a, a better uh, thing to put that particular uh, 
that that wording on i thought it was actually totally brilliant but i mean one of the things that you were both saying um is that you know in the realm of art historical events art art individual works of art will sometimes be collateral damage yeah the thing that needs to be protected in this moment are black lives or human lives yeah 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 and uh yeah it it's unfortunate that those things happen like broken windows but um you can't make a cost comparison to the lives that are lost so i think those insured art institutions and other businesses just have to recognize that the moment that we're in is because of the lives that have been lost and the lives that are presently being lost, Mm -hmm. even during protests, even during video footage of uh, everyone. These lives are still being lost. So the only thing you can think about protecting is your art and your building. I'm not optimistic right now (laughs) about how sincere institutions can be in this moment. I hope that Mm. I have hope, but I'm not optimistic. I hope that we see change in the art world. I hope that more voices are part of the exhibitions and more culture, more relevant topics to our communities in general. You know, Vicky was talking about in the top five, she talked about watching certain historical events unfold and it kind of moves the needle. Mm-hmm. She mentioned yeah, like when Martin Luther King's back Jesus, is against uh, the yeah, wall. It's the needle. And it sounded to me like she she's hopeful that right now and what we're seeing will move the needle at least somewhat. Each one of these things has moved the needle at least somewhat, although there's a lot of recidivism as well but you know the way things are right now it seems to me like every single week we wake up and the world is kind of a different place and um partly because of our our um administration and partly because of corona and now because of protests but so it's very hard to know what the world's going to be like in november oh my god but i mean i was just before we Head out, I wanted to ask you, what are you thinking about? I feel sick when I think about it. Like, I feel sick to my stomach just saying it out loud. That's how worried I am. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I watched the uh, 2016 elections live. Or not live, but like on TV, like everybody else. Yeah. And I can't... I can't go through. I can't I go through that again. It's like I, yeah, the blinders have been pulled. Yeah. Um, the reality is that this kind of uh, I can't predict it. I can't call it. And but I'm not complacent. I don't think anything is a foregone conclusion in either direction. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that people do go out and vote. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important that. Um, Voting is protected, like uh, eyeballs out there watching every vote, machines triple double checked, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, let let the <laughs> the system that we still believe in let let it work, and let's let's see what happens. But I can't. 
predict or think about about it. Because to be frank, regardless of who gets to be the next president, I feel like this shit is still going to be the issue. That's the most important issue mm-hmm. for me and for a lot of artists that I know. I think the important thing is stop fucking killing us. Mm-hmm. That's the important thing. Mm-hmm. Whoever gets to uh, do it for the next four years, hopefully they consider that. We'll see. We'll see what's happened. I mean, gosh, things, again, things are changing so rapidly. I I am such a hopeful and optimistic person by nature, but... You sound pretty reserved <laughs> about these things. I just, I can't. It's like, it's overwhelming, man. Yeah. It's like, it's, uh, you want to watch Netflix and uh, chill and hang out and be cool, but like everything is just anxiety inducing and nobody's safe nowhere safe nothing sacred mm-hmm. okay so with that um <laughs> i mean well you know lost tire we've lost tire has grown so much even since i came on in 2014 and and harvey happened after that but I, I just remember at some point, and it felt like it was around Harvey that you know the staff as, as it stood, and and the whole idea was like let's be responsive, let's be responsive. I want to I want to tell you how much I appreciate what you've done with and for Last Tire over the last couple of weeks. It's been absolutely vital. And well, I also smart value and great. Thank you, but I also value the space that. I occupy at glass tire that um, doesn't ask permission to mm-hmm. say the things that are important to me as an artist and as a writer mm-hmm. and to have the conversations that are important that I think are important to a lot of our readers, uh, frankly. Yeah. And, and I have confidence in what we're doing and I have confidence in what we've done before and the people that we work with and the things that we say, like any other organization, um, <laughs> there's room to grow. Oh, that's there will always be room to grow. Yeah, yeah. Work's never done. But um, I think it's important to uh, just keep our heads at it and keep doing the work that we can be proud of and hopefully our audience can be proud of. Mm-hmm and spend our energy doing that improving holding ourselves to a high standard and uh being responsive Mm -hmm. being part of the conversation yeah all right well with that uh glass tire listeners um have a good sunday and uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks and in the meantime i'm not gonna tell you guys to go see some are you gonna tell people to go see art i am i I want to see art and we have a, some opportunities online and I think it's just difficult. It's it's a personal decision. Yeah, of course. Well, I um, feel bad because when Brandon and I shot recently in Beaumont toward the end, we were like, well, museums are open. Should we tell people to go see art? We're like, let's say go see some art. We're going to say go see some art. And then within a week, I was like, we can't say this right now. The numbers no. are getting crazy. See some art where you can see art where you can in as safe 
away as you can. Absolutely. That's that's that always our, yeah. that is our message. <laughs> yeah, and that's always good advice, regardless. This week, our official message is: stay home to see your art that you need to see. All right. Well, with that, um, everyone, please be safe and take care. And uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Take care. Bye.